Thank you for checking out this podcast from Mountain View Christian Center, a place to connect. All right. Well, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that words are important? Words are powerful. They're important. And we need to, we need to watch our words. We need to be careful what we say. But not only are words important, but the character of the one using the words is equally or perhaps even more important. Amen? Repeat after me. This is the Word of God. It's able to make me wise. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And this message is for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for your love that we celebrate this time of year. Lord, I pray this morning that you would guide and direct each one of us. Lord, that as I speak, I wouldn't speak hollow, empty words, but the words that you've laid on my heart. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing. Lord, I pray also that you give us all ears to hear what you have to say. And Lord, the, the gumption to act on it, to live it out. We'll be quick to give you the praise, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So I've titled the message this morning, Keep Christ in Christmas, but don't leave him there. How many of you think it's a good idea to keep Christ in Christmas? Probably, yeah, not a bad idea. How many of you get a little bit... A little bit annoyed when you see Xmas. Now, I'm sure there's probably one or two Bible scholars that'll want to come up to me after church and say, hey, you know, um, X, oh, hey, let's trade. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, no, thank you. There might be one or two Bible scholars here that'll come up afterwards and say, hey, you know, X was the Greek Chi, and that was the beginning of Christ. And so in the 1500s, the church actually used X to represent Christ. And so the X really isn't Xing out Christ. It's it's just a, a Greek form. Some of you maybe here know that. Most of us don't. I didn't know that for a long time. I grew up not know. I grew up, my mom just absolutely livid every time she would see Xmas. They're crossing Christ out of Christmas. And I think, honestly, that that's, that's probably what most people in our culture, most, most people in our American culture have not studied Greek. It's not really a language that we use very often. Most people in our culture probably don't realize that. And so I'm going from that perspective. Let's keep Christ in Christmas, but for crying out loud, don't leave him there. People blocking Jesus out of his birthday. That's just kind of lame. Now, what if I told you that the premise for keeping Christ in Christmas is actually found in the Old Testament? What if I told you that the premise for keeping Christ in Christmas not only is in the Old Testament, it's actually in the law. And it goes a little bit deeper than just Christmas presents. We'll get to that a little bit later. That's just kind of a teaser to keep you hanging on. 
I got a few good reasons for it. So if you like lists, I got a little list for you. A few good reasons to keep Christ in Christmas. You might enjoy this. Number one, without Jesus, Christmas is nothing more than a retailer's paradise. Without Jesus, it's just all about sale, sale, sale. And it starts earlier every year, but, you know, the official kickoff of the Christmas season apparently is Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So just as soon as you're done being thankful, in fact, these days you don't even have to go to bed because the stores open up, but I don't know, midnight 01? Be the first person lined up. Just get done being thankful and then go trample people to save money on toilet paper, socks, and one TV or something. Without, without Christ, without Jesus, Christmas, nothing more than a retailer's paradise. Number two, keeping Christ in Christmas helps us to focus our attention on him. When we keep Christ in Christmas, it helps us to keep our focus on him, to take him out of Christmas would be kind of like going and getting a birthday cake with somebody else's name on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hey, uh, my wife's having a birthday. I forgot. I'm going to run down to, oh, look, they happen to have one that says Julie on it. But I'm getting it for a little bit cheaper. She'll never notice. That might be the last birthday cake I get to celebrate with her. When I was a kid, we, my mom, she was really great at, at bargain shopping, and especially at Christmas time. And, and uh, she used to go up to Seattle and Sears. Remember the big, I don't know how many of you have been up to Seattle, to the big Sears store in downtown Seattle. I think now it's Starbucks headquarters or something. But they had a basement there, and you could get all kinds of deals. And she picked up a watch for my brother one day, and it was a monogrammed watch. Did not have my brother's name on it. And But she thought, he'll never know. And so she got the watch, she wrapped it up for him, he opened it up and looked at it and read that, and he's like, that's not my name. And she said, well, that's the name of the watch. You've heard of Timex and Casio, it's just name of the watch. And so for years, and he was probably eight when he got it, for years, and I mean probably 10 years. I think he was a senior in high school when we finally let him know that wasn't the name of the watch. And he had been making little commercials. Good thing we didn't have video cameras or YouTube or something like that. I mean, it would have been bad. He had been making ads up for this watch. It was ridiculous. So keeping Christ in Christmas helps us to focus our attention on who it's really all about. Number three, keeping Christ in Christmas sets you apart from those who are celebrating a generic winter holiday. Do you like to hear people say happy holidays or would you rather hear Merry Christmas? Me too. And, it, and it, when we keep Christ in Christmas, it, it just helps us to stand apart from the rest of the crowd. We've been called to be different than the rest of the world, not to blend in. God never called us to be uh, camouflage Christians. In fact, there's no such thing as a camouflage Christian. We're supposed to stand out. 
You know, think back to think back to the Old Testament when the Israelites came out of Egypt. How did God lead them? With a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Do you think they were able to hide from anybody? Oh, you see this giant, it's big enough for two million people to, to see him clearly. Any of their enemies want to find out where they are, all they got to do is look up in the sky. Oh, hey, there's the fire. That must be Israel. You know, it's time that we as believers start having a fire in our hearts that causes us to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Christmas time is a great time for that. We keep Christ in Christmas, and you're going to stand out from those that are just celebrating a generic winter holiday. Here's another one, I think, number four. All those good Christmas carols would just be wasted. You take Christ out of Christmas, and all. how many people want to sing, Mary, have yourself a merry little Xmas? That just doesn't even roll off the, town, off the tongue. That just, that's just lame. So the good Christmas carols will be wasted. Here's another one. It's a great tradition. Not all traditions are bad. This is a great tradition to have Christmas. When I was a kid, we had Christmas break. It was great Christmas parties and Christmas everything. And here's obviously not the, not the last, but it's the last one I wrote down. At least this way, keeping Christ in Christmas, we have two important days to go to church, Christmas and Easter. All right, keep Christ in Christmas and maybe, maybe stir up that, that sense of responsibility in those that wouldn't normally go to church. Oh, hey, it's Christmas. Maybe I should go. That's good, but what about the rest of the year? What about keeping Christ in the rest of the year? Because if we just keep him in Christmas, but then we leave him there, we're doing a disservice. Here's some good reasons to go beyond December 25th. Number one, it's not his real birthday. Surprise? December 25th is not Jesus' real birthday. So if we celebrate him every day, some point in the next 365, we're going to get it right. Right? At some point, you're going to hit it. You're going to nail it. All right, it's the Lord's day. This is a great celebration, not just on the 25th. Think about this. Mary and Joseph loved him beyond his birth. They loved him for nine months before, and they loved him for 33 years after. Mary, can you imagine... I, mean, I don't want to go real deep into it, but ladies, can you imagine as a, as a young girl never been with a man and an angel shows up and says, hey, you're highly favored. In other words, God's happy with you. I would be happy with that right there. God is happy with you. Wow. God's pleased with you. He's got a great job for you. You're going to have a son. It's going to be the Son of God. You're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the light of the world. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And she, you know, with good reason, kind of freaked out. How's this going to happen? I've never been with a man, blah, blah, blah. And the angel says, look, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. What's conceived in you will be the Son of God. And she, as a young girl, some say maybe as young as 15, 
Now, you got to understand the culture. We're in a culture today that, that tends to celebrate children being born out of wedlock. And, and, I, and I want you to know, we can celebrate the child, but we ought not celebrate what brought that child around. Celebrate the baby. It's not the baby's fault when they were conceived. I saw somebody on Facebook, one of my, one of my daughter's friends, posted up, she's pregnant, talking about, well, this wasn't in our plan. It was, you know, not our timing, but it's God's timing, and, and he has a reason for everything. And I'm, I'm yelling at the computer. I didn't even respond. I'm yelling at the computer. A reason for everything? Yeah, you were doing things that leads to pregnancy. It wasn't God's plan. Don't say it was his idea. Don't blame God and act like it's a good thing. Don't be messing around. If you're not married, don't be messing around. There's no way that it's right, period. It's wrong. Let's get back to Mary in that culture. Do you realize that a young girl that's not married that shows up pregnant could lawfully, legally be stoned to death? Because you're bringing shame not only on your family, but you're bringing shame upon the entire nation that has been set apart for God's purposes. And the law stipulated that she could be stoned to death. And knowing that, and knowing that nobody is likely to believe her. Pregnant, never been with a man? Come on. We know you're engaged to Joseph. We know you're getting, you know, maybe things got a little hot and heavy in the back of the chariot, whatever. Come on. And angel, really? Oh, now you're going to blame God? She knew she was taking her life in her hands. But you know what? It wasn't really her life in the first place. It was, it was a gift that God gave her. And it wasn't really her hands that she was taking in. She was placing her life in the Lord's hands. And she turned to that angel when he gave that simple explanation. said, you know what? Let it be to me, as you've said. Whatever it costs me. Whatever it takes, if I lose everything, if I lose all of my friends and I lose all of my family and nobody wants to be around me, I believe that what you've said, I believe that what you've birthed inside of me is worth all of that. Oh, church, we need to get a little more of that spirit in our hearts. No matter what the cost, it might cost me my friends, it might cost me my family, it might cost me my, my job and my security, it might cost me my freedom, but I will keep Christ in Christmas and the rest of the year. What he's birthed in me is special, and this life is not my own, it's his. And I place my life in his hands, not my own. And if he wants to take me home early, praise God, I'm out of here early. But if he wants to keep me here longer, then that's just another day I get to serve him. We got to get some of that. Mary and Joseph loved him beyond his birth. They didn't leave him in the, in the stable that he was born in. In fact, we don't know when Joseph passed away, but Mary... Mary loved him so much, she was right there to the very last day. She stood by as they crucified her son. She stood by as they hoisted him up and dropped that cross in the ground. She stood by as they pierced his side. And she watched because she loved. 
And then she was there after the resurrection. You know where you know where she was 40 days later when Jesus ascended into heaven? She went into the upper room. Why? Because she loved her son and honored him and believed that he had even more in store. She was one of those counted in the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. She didn't leave Jesus on Christmas. Neither should we. The wise men spent a couple of years following a star just to get to him. The star appeared. The star of Bethlehem, whatever you want to call it, the star appeared at his birth and didn't go away for a couple of years. How do we know it was a couple of years? Because they weren't in the barn anymore. They were living in a house when the wise men finally showed up. And Herod said, hey, let's kill all the babies two years and younger. So it had to be a couple of years these guys were walking following. They weren't going to let that thing die. They kept Christ in Christmas, but they kept him beyond it. You got to have a determination to do that. And then finally, even Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, says this, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. That's some wise words. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. And Jesus' earthly end was certainly better than his earthly beginning so far as you and I are concerned. Oh, his earthly end was costly to him, but look at what it purchased for us. We like to celebrate Christmas and we love to think of the baby Jesus laying in the manger. Mary and Joseph weren't so excited. I mean, they were excited to have their baby, but they weren't so excited to be out in the... Out in, how many of you ladies want to give birth in a barn? Lay your baby in a, in a manger in a bunch of hay and have a bunch of nosy animals coming around? You ever seen cows up close? You ever watch cows? Cows have the longest tongues, and they stick them straight up their nose, and then they drool. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just nasty. And, and you just laid your baby in a manger, and you got a cow. Get your drooly hit. Chickens, maybe. Sheep. No, no pigs. These are good Jews. Sheep. Nasty critters. You know, they got to cut their tails off because they're not smart enough to raise them up when they get rid of their excess food. You want that hanging around your baby? No. We don't think about that stuff. We think about Christmas. We think, oh, the little baby Jesus in the manger, no crying. He made baloney. He cried. He was a baby. Babies cry. That's what they do. They're good at it. Hey, look at this. The end is better than the beginning. His end of his life was better for us than the beginning of his life. But if, if Jesus wouldn't have come at Christmas, Easter would mean absolutely nothing. But if it weren't for Easter, Christmas would mean absolutely nothing. It all comes together. It ties together. Finally, you didn't leave your spouse at the altar only to visit on anniversaries, did you? I do. I do too. Okay, see you in a year. Not a, not on your life. There is not a man in this room that would say I do to a woman and then walk away not to see her. Come on. Wedding is for her. Honeymoon night is for him. Glory. 
You didn't leave your spouse at the altar. Don't leave Jesus at the altar. Don't leave him in the manger. And for crying out loud, don't leave him on the cross. People get in the business of leaving Jesus all over the place. They leave him in the manger. They leave him on the cross. He's not in either one of those. Come on. Let's keep him in here. Let's keep that fire going. So what I'm really talking about here today is not just Christmas and not just keeping Christ in Christmas, but what it all boils down to is part of our season of stewardship series. It's talking, I'm talking today about life stewardship. I'm talking about time stewardship. You know, we've talked a couple of weeks about financial stewardship, which is, which is good. It's important. We need to be good stewards of the finances that, that God has given us. But stewardship of our time is so much more. I'm not sure if I should say more, but it's, it's equally. And I would say, you know, in fact, I might even say it's more important because here's the facts. You can always make more money. As long as you're alive, as long as you're healthy, you got a heartbeat and you can move one, you can make more money. But from the time you're born, you've only got a certain amount of time. And you don't know when that day is. The Lord knows when that day is. that He's calling you home. You've only got so much time. Everybody dies and some do it sooner than others. And we need to be ready because we're going to be called to account for how we were stewards over our time. Think about this. The Lord commanded 10% of our income, but one-seventh of our time. That was just during the week. I mean, that was just, give me one day out of seven. That's, that's for me, the Lord says, one day out of seven. But the rest of the week, he wants part of your day. He's concerned about your time. So let me ask you, have you ever felt like you were spiritually plateaued? You ever been to a point where you ah, I just haven't grown in a while? You ever wonder why you haven't grown? Or maybe you wonder, as the kids get a little bit older, why the kids act the way they do? You know, and, and free will is just part of it. Free will is just part of it. You ever wonder why other relationships are struggling no matter what you do and how much time or money you invest or effort that you invest in them? You ever wonder why some of these things just aren't connecting? They're just not clicking. It's crazy the things that we invest in for ourselves and for our kids and for relationships that aren't bad. I'm talking about the things that we invest aren't, aren't bad, but often it results in Poor time stewardship, which results in not the results we want. Let me just throw this out as an, as an example. If you attend here on Sundays, we start at 1030. We're done noon-ish. If you come for Sunday school, you get here a little bit. Let's just say you're here for Sunday school. You're here until I get done speaking. You might get... Two and a half hours. Might get two and a half hours of church. Now, if you happen to throw into the mix Wednesday and you come for dinner, we'll give you another two and a half hours. But really, so far as you know, the, the Bible teaching goes, hour, hour and a half. But we'll we'll round it up to two because we got dinner. Two and a half. So let's just say five. Let's just say five hours a week. That's cut out, carved out, committed to the Lord. If 
you take that five hours a week, would you don't don't answer me out loud because I don't want to deal with it. Would you say that in in your average week, average week, you would spend more or less than five hours in the average week watching television or movies or videos or whatever? Now, remember, one movie is at least two hours. Would you say that in an average week, you spend more or less than five hours? I'm talking about average week, you spend more or less than five hours on social media. If there's anybody, say, 25 and younger that says they spend less than five hours on social media, you're probably needing to repent. Would you say you spend more or less than five hours in an entire week on the interwebs, searching out goofy stuff, YouTube, and, and watching people crash and dancing squirrels and all sorts of silly cat stuff? I'm talking about in a week. Would you say maybe when it comes to your kids, you spend more or less than five hours a week with them in sports practices and and you know, all sorts of, boy, you got to be, you got to be good at this sport, that sport. Oh, should I go there? I'm going to go there just because you have to love me anyways. That's what Jesus says. I've raised kids and I know kids love to play sports and, and, and sports are good. Sports are good. Teaches you a lot of stuff. I raised kids in a small town, and in a small town, sports not only are good, sports are just about everything. Still, it's fun. I mean, we, it, it's, I'll tell you what, there's, it, it, it's cool. You know, we raised our kids up in Toledo, and Toledo girls basketball would go to state like every year. And I kid you not, every year, just about half of the town would pack up and go to Yakima. Most of these people haven't had a kid in school for 40 years, and they're going over to Yakima to watch the kid. I mean, there's, that's cool. That's some great dedication. I wish you get those same people in church on a regular basis. But sports are good. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from sports, but I don't know how many times I talked to a parent that, I mean, they had their kid in every single sport, and then they had them in special leagues, and they had them in this, and they were spending thousands of dollars a year. I said, why? Well, that's how they're going to go to college. That's their, that's their, they're going to get a scholarship to college. I said, think about this for a minute. If you would take some of that money that you're spending all this sports stuff, and by the way, I talked to a lot of the kids, they were sick of the sports. It wasn't fun anymore. If you would take some of that money, instead of spending it on all these special things and start investing it, your kids wouldn't need a scholarship. You could pay for school. Here's an idea. Study with your kids. Do some homework with them once in a while. Instead of just teaching them how to throw a free throw, how about if you teach them what two plus two is and how to find that? How about if you teach them how to spell? That'd be really neat. Then maybe they can get an academic scholarship, which won't be taken away if they break their leg. 
But sometimes people get hurt. Well, yeah, my kid's going to be different. You know how many kids on average actually go and play at the college level? Very few. You know how many of them go beyond that to, to play in the pros? Even fewer. You know how many kids, though, one day are going to stand before the Lord? Every single one. Every single one. And mom and dad, I just don't know how you're going to explain yourself if you're spending all your time and energy on getting your kids to be better athletes, but you're never teaching them how to keep Christ in Christmas and the rest of the year. It's your responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility. I raised my kids. It's your responsibility to train up your child in the way that they should go. Yeah, they still have a free will, and they might break your heart, but train them up, train them up, train them up in something that really matters. Train them up so they can never turn and say, well, mom and dad didn't. Well, I see you're really good at the free throw. Can you quote John 3.16? No, but I can shoot it. Not going to work. So here's, here's the deal. I mean, good time stewardship. If you are spending more time involved in things that has nothing to do with the Lord, and I sure hope that, you, that your commitment to the Lord goes beyond two and a half hours a week or five hours a week. I, I hope that you're having your own personal devotions. I hope that you're praying. I hope that you're spending time getting to know the Lord, at least listening to Christian music sometimes. I... I but if the vast majority of your time is spent doing something else, preparing for something else, you shouldn't be scratching your head wondering why you're plateaued and why you're not growing in the Lord and why your kids are acting the way they're... Hey, spend some time with the Lord. He's got some really great ideas. And you know what? He loves you and he loves your kids more than you love your kids. So spend some time with him. Keep him in Christmas, but don't leave him there. Christmas goes beyond December 25th and our traditions. For the believer, it's got to go beyond spelling and the season. It's got to go beyond, you know, Black Friday to Christmas Eve or New Year's Day or whenever you do the last of your shopping. Besides that, Merry Xmas doesn't roll off the tongue very good. Keep Christ in Christmas, but don't leave him there. Now, I told you we were going to find this in the Old Testament and the law. If you have your Bibles, Exodus 20, my first and last passage really that I'm using today. Exodus 20, for those of you that are familiar with it, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments that Moses received on Mount Sinai from the hand of God. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. I'm going to be quoting out of the King James this morning because I, I like the way that it reads I like the way that the NIV reads too, but I think for, for our purposes this morning, the King James is a little better. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, this is commandment number 3. It says this, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You might be sitting here going, I don't get it. How does this have anything to do with Christmas? I don't, I don't get it. King James, what, what? Does it sound holier because it's King James? Maybe. No, listen. Thou shall not take the name of the Lord, thy God, in vain. You know, this is, this is one of the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misused and abused passages in the Bible. Because most people, probably 99% of the people, probably 99% of every Christian, maybe 99% of everybody here, you hear that, you say, yeah, don't, don't, don't use my God's name as a cuss word. His last name is not damn. That is not what that says. Now, that's a very good idea, don't use his name as a cuss word. That is a misuse. And the NIV says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That is a misuse of his name. But that's not what this passage really says. You have to go back into the Hebrew, the original language, and the word that we need to focus on is that word take. And the word take in the Hebrew is nasah. And a proper translation or transliteration of that word is not simply use. But here's some other words that were from the English translated to Nassar, that Nassar was translated to in English. Number one, take up. Number two, accept. Throw that in the passage. Thou shalt not accept the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not take up the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Here's another one. Hold up. Thou shalt not hold up the name of the Lord thy God. I'm holding up his name. I'm, I'm revering him. I'm rejoicing, but I'm not going to do it in vain. Thou shalt not receive the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Boy, at Christmas time, we talk about gifts. We talk about presents. You, you know, God's got these gifts, and he wants you to receive and wants you to open them, but he does not want you to receive his name in vain. Here's the last one I pulled out. There's a few more, but here's the last one I pulled out that I think really drives it home. Thou shall not marry. And I don't mean Merry Christmas. I mean M-A-R-R-Y. Thou shall not marry the Lord, or take his name as in marriage in vain. Deb's maiden name was Belle. But when she agreed to marry me, and we went through that ceremony, she took my name. She is now Hollis. And if I wouldn't have just said Belle, probably not a one of you here would know that, because you know her as Hollis. And I want to tell you something. She did not take my name in vain. I had a pretty good name when I gave it to her, and she's made it even better. Because when people see her, and they see her name, and they associate her name with me, they associate her name with my family, it's a good thing. People don't see that name Hollis and go, oh. And it's not because I'm so great. 
but because generations of people have taken that name, not in vain, but with pride and said, we're going to do something with it, my wife included. And I counsel every couple that wants to get married. I say, you need, to, you need to think about this. Men, you need to think about this. When you are offering your name to a woman, you need to understand that everything that she does once she has your name is going to reflect on your name. If you've got a good name now, I'm pretty sure your parents want you to keep that name good. And everything that she does is going to reflect. It's either going to build that name up or it's going to tear that name down. And it doesn't take much for a good name to get slung through the mud. And ladies, in the same token, think about this. You're taking his name. You're leaving the old behind. You're going to grab onto his name. So everything that that name is associated with for the rest of your life, you're associated with. That's it. It's new. We understand that when it comes to marriage. Do you understand that us coming to Christ, us coming to Jesus Christ, to, to having a relationship with God is the same thing? He says, look, I'm putting a new name on you. You will be known by my name. If my people that are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, oh, there'd be some changes. And so when the Lord says to Moses and to the Israelites and to us, thou shalt not take my name. In vain. Because I will not hold anybody guiltless who mistreats my name. We need to sit back and go, whoa. You see, keeping Christ in Christmas is a lot more, keeping Christ at Christmas but not leaving him there is a lot more than just saying Merry Christmas. It's about living Christ Mass every day. Because what people see out there in you might be the only Jesus they ever see. Don't take his name in vain. I told you the principle for keeping Christ in Christmas would be in the Old Testament. Just took us a little while to get there. We're going to close. I'm going to pray. I want to challenge. I want to encourage you. God gave a really great gift in his son, Jesus, to us on that day so many years ago that we celebrate it this season. It doesn't matter that, that he wasn't born December 25th. Nobody, nobody cares. The fact is he was born. He came down. I mean, think of it. Pastor Wayne alluded to it this morning. He left much of the benefits of deity in heaven when he came down as a baby. Vulnerable for you and me. Greatest gift ever given. Grew up and sacrificed his life. Rose again that we might bear his name not just on the day we're saved, but for the rest of our lives. We need to do better. Amen? I'm not saying you're not doing good. I'm just saying you, me, all of us, we can do better. We need to do better. It's about stewardship. Lord, thank you for your great love. Jesus, I thank you that you looked down at us and said, yes, they're not worthy, but they're worth it. 
Jesus, we, we remember you as we come into this Christmas season and we start looking at celebrating your birth. But Lord, we don't want to be guilty any longer of leaving you, leaving Christ in Christmas. Lord, just like we don't want to be guilty of leaving you on the cross. We don't want to leave you anywhere. We want to keep you with us. Lord, we want to walk and talk and breathe your spirit. Lord, if there's any here today that have been struggling with time stewardship, Lord, struggling with prioritizing you, Lord, I pray that even right now you would, Lord, you would come to them as they submit themselves to you. Lord, you would would come and you would take the hurt and the pain and the frustration of the past, and Lord, that you would wipe it away. And Lord, that this Christmas season would be one for the books. Lord, they could mark down, this is the day. This is the day. I made a decision to get serious. Lord, that they wouldn't leave you in this day, but take you every day. Lord, I pray for those that Maybe this message wasn't specifically for them. Maybe maybe it's just a good reminder, but they've been doing well. Lord, I pray that you give them the strength to continue on. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you would give us eyes to see what you're doing and ears to hear. And Lord, that when we walk out of these doors today, we would walk out empowered by your Holy Spirit. Lord, and energized by a passion for the lost. Lord, would you grant that as we go through this season and we say Merry Christmas, it would be so much more than just words. Lord, I pray that every time we open our mouths and and say your name, Lord, that something special would happen. Lord, that those around us would sense your presence in a very real way. And Lord, that your presence would be more cherished than the presence under the tree. Jesus, I commit your people to your grace. Go with us now as we go and and again embolden us. In your precious name, amen. For more information, you can find us online at www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.